Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripe Show. Thank you to everyone who already listened to last week's episode, which was the top five relief pitchers of all time and why. And feel free to go back and listen to any of the other previous episodes, like the top five starting pitchers of all time and why, and the top five managers of all time and why. Again, my name is Brian, and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was around seven years old. Also, I live outside the New York and Tri-State area, so I may have a different perspective than other fans who do live in the New York Tri-State area. However, the goal of this podcast is still to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing all of the great players and great moments in Yankees history. This podcast is now also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, So feel free to subscribe to them in whatever podcast platform you are on. Um, Also, you can feel free to listen to any of the episodes. And feel free to stay tuned to new episodes every week by subscribing. One last thing. Feel free to like Historic Pinstripes on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at HistoricNYY. Let us know your top five of whatever topic we do with the Historic Pinstripes as a hashtag. If you would like. So now let's get on with today's episode. The top five catchers in Yankees history of all time and why. Alright, so let's start off with the captain, number 15, Thurman Munson. Thurman Munson was the first captain the Yankees had since Lou Gehrig. He was named the captain in 1976. He also helped the Yankees win two World Series titles. They went to a, a third World Series. However, they lost in 1976 to the Reds. In five games, I believe. 1970 was his rookie year. He won the rookie of the year. And he um, he hit 302 that year. Uh, with a 126 on-base plus slugging adjusted. Um, which is basically your OPS plus is your the same. Very, very similar to the ERA plus. So you get your 100 as the league average. His is 126. So it's like basically 20 points above the league average. Which is very, very good. Um. Also, his on-base percentage was 386 that year, and that's this in the 70s was basically they didn't they didn't really concentrate on on-base percentage as much as um, just basically just getting on base, moving runners over, uh, a lot of that stuff. Uh, but obviously, Thurman Munson was one of the better players in baseball history, anyway. Um, and possibly, like if 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 it wasn't for the tragic event of 1979 of the plane accident, and um, he, he probably could have been a Hall of Famer because he was only 32 when that happened. Um, and his numbers are, I mean, the, if he had a few more years left, he probably, there, there's a good chance maybe that he would have been able to make the Hall of Fame. But um, anyways, moving on. Also, Thurman Munson also won the MVP in 1976. He, and also in 1976, he only struck out 38 times in 152 games, which is incredible, especially considered considering today's game where players like, like Aaron Judge, not that Aaron, Aaron Judge is a great baseball player, but it's a different game. The guys, you know, they're, they're swinging for the fences more. Obviously, Aaron Judge, that's his game. He's a power hitter. Giancarlo Stan, all those guys, they, they hit. That they there is their job to hit home runs. Thurman Munson wasn't really like that. He was more of a complete hitter, and Thurman Thurman could hit the ball the other way, but he could also pull the ball as well if he wanted to. Um, th- however, Thurman didn't have the power that guys like Giancarlo, 
than Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge have today. Um, but Thurman Munson, he did have power, though. But he, he was a more complete hitter. Anyways, um, just the fact that he only struck out 38 times in 152 games, that's crazy because a lot of players today will – they're like players like Aaron Judge and stuff like that, they might strike out maybe – 150 times in a season, maybe 130. If that might be a good, a good year. However, it's just it was just a different style of play. And back in those days, they preferred to keep to just to, to for hitters to be more contact type hitters rather than just hit the ball out of the park. And Thurman did a very good job at that. Um, also, Thurman Munson, he won. Uh, he went to the All Star Game seven times, six straight All Star games from 1973 to 1978. Um, he had played at least 125 games a season from 1970 to 1978, and seven straight uh, were 140 or more games played, and that was as a catcher. So Thurman Munson, um, he really like to play 100, at least 140 or more games in stra- seven straight seasons as a catcher. That's that's insane. However, uh, I mean Billy Martin did he did like to move guys around a lot, but a lot of those games, a lot of the games that that Thurman played were a catcher, and he was playing over 125 games at least a season from 70 to 78. So I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of games to play as a catcher, and and you know catching back then even was probably even wor- worse because you know they didn't they didn't have quite the the modern day medicine and and you know like the plays at the plate back then you could run over uh, the catcher. Um, nowadays you can't do that. However, so it was it's a tough position to play that many games and Thurman was as tough and just he was just he was a gamer. Um, as for some of uh, Thurman Munson's career numbers, he had 1558 hits, uh, 113 home runs in his career, 701 RBIs. He only struck out 571 times in his career. Also, uh, he averaged just 65 strikeouts a season. Uh, he also he was a double doubles machine. He hit a lot of doubles. He had 229 doubles in his career. He also had 32 triples, which seems kind of like a lot of triples for a catcher. However, probably a lot because, like I said, about him being more of a contact guy. And and also, you know, Yankee Stadium back then, too, was was not Yankee Stadium today. Yankee Stadium today, the, the ballpark, the ball really flies out. Um but the Yankee Stadium back then, and the fences, the fences were deeper. I think it was before '74. It was like I don't know the exact distance. I think it was like 385. It might have even been further. I think it was further than that before '74. But then after '74, it was 385 or something like that. Uh, and anyways, um, another thing about Thurman Munson is he was always willing to sacrifice, sacrifice hits, sacrifice bunts, sacrifice fly. He, um, and that was something that obviously Bill and Martin wanted his players to do um, and Thurman was a team guy and he did whatever they could whatever they had to do to win um, he also won three straight gold gloves from 1973 to 1975 he caught the most games in baseball or in the American League anyway from 1970 in 1970 1972 and 1973 he had turned the most double plays as a catcher in the league in 1973 and and he was also second to Ed Herman of the White Sox in 1975 um, for turning the most double plays. Um, and another stat, too, that I noticed, even though it's not really an important stat anymore because fielding percentage, we don't really, I guess it's not the most accurate 
it's not a very accurate um, stat anymore for defense because there's a lot we have a lot more defensive numbers. But fielding percentage was used a lot back then, and he was actually first in 1971 as as a catcher. Um, and of course, in nineteen seven in the nineteen seventy nine season, he struck out just thirty seven times in about ninety seven games, three hundred eighty two at bats. Of course, that season was cut short because of the tragedy and um, the plane accident that had happened. Um, uh, one thing that Howard Cosell called him was the pride of the Yankees, which is I think a very fitting, um, a very fitting term for Thurman. Uh, Thurman Munson, um, the first game after the funeral. The Yankees, as a team, they they rallied around their captain, and they they won the game. However, that it um they did get behind in the game, but then they 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 made sh- it was a very tough game for them to play. But they knew that they had to play it for their captain. And actually, I believe it was Diane Diana Munson, um Thurman's wife, th- who wanted them to play. Some of his postseason numbers. Th- first of all, Th- Thurman Munson was a very very clutch hitter. Thurman's a little bit before. I didn't really get to see him play that much. However, just looking back at his numbers and hearing from other other Yankee fans who I've talked to, uh, it's it's very obvious that Thurman was uh, definitely a clutch hitter. Probably one of the most clutch hitters in Yankee history. And um, he probably got overshadowed. He definitely got overshadowed by Reggie Jackson in 1978 and 77. Um, obviously for, for good reason too, because th- Reggie was a, a heck of a um, October uh, October player, obviously Mr. October. Um, anyways, uh, some of his postseason career totals. So the postseason career totals for Thurman Munson. Uh, Thurman Munson hit three fifty seven. He had scored nine nineteen runs. He had ninety six hits, nine doubles, three home runs, twenty two RBIs, and sixty four total bases. Another stat that I picked up to um, with Thurman Munson for the for his postseason was a win probability added. This is basically, um, it's kind of like predicting, kind of like, kind of like whenever he's he's in the lineup, it kind of boosts the probability of a win. And his win probability added was 1.48, so it's like almost up to two. Most guys, I believe, is is a little lower than that, uh, considering the numbers that he put up. He had 3.57 in his entire postseason career, and he played quite a bit in the postseason. So. Thurman, um, that just kind of just adds to what I said before about him being so clutch. Um, also, he only struck out 19 times in just 129 at-bats in the postseason. He played 30 games in the postseason as well. In the World Series, Thurman was even better. He played 16 games, and he struck out just 16 times in the postseason. That's 67 at-bats. He had a 373 batting average in the World Series. Um, also, another stat is... He had a 417 on base percentage in the World Series, so he got on base a lot. Um, obviously, hitting 373 and then uh, 417 on base percentage, like I just said. And he had 33 total bases, 709 OPS, and a 0.53 WPA win probability added in the World Series. And and as as everyone knows, you know, in the World Series, the League Championship Series, those games, the pitching just gets better and better. Because this is more of a premium on, uh, well, usually anyway. Because there's more of a premium premium on every single pitch, and uh, no one stepped up. Well, maybe very few players stepped up more so than Thurman Munson. Um, also, in the league championship series, Thurman was v- awesome again. Uh, he had a 3.39 batting average, 
0.95 win probability added, and he only struck out three times in 19 games, or actually 14 games, 62 at-bats um, in the league championship series. Um, so Thurman Munson um, had a hell of a Yankees career, um, and he probably could have had an, an even better Yankee career. And it would have been interesting, too, to see how Yankee history would have changed. Like if Thurman, if that tragedy hadn't happened, uh, and like the plane tragedy, if it had, hadn't happened at that time, it would have been interesting how the paths of like Don Mattingly would have crossed with Thurman Munson and just like how things would have changed in Yankee history. Would the Yankees have won another World Series? Maybe. Very possibly. Anyways, in 1981, they might have, they definitely could have used them, I'm sure. But like, it was, it's just kind of would have, would have, could have, should have. But um, it's just kind of interesting. And however, Thurman Munson is definitely in the top five Yankee catcher category. So moving on in the top five Yankee catcher, we're going to move on to Elston Howard. Elston Howard played in the, around the, I would say the late 50s, maybe the early, or you could even say the mid-50s. Um, however, he really didn't come up with the Yankees until like 1955, I believe. And um, he, he actually started, he, he got a late start because of the, he was, you know, he was an African-American player. And, the, and back then, they, um, you know, obviously Jackie Robinson had just broken in the league, um, broken the color barrier in 1947 with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Elston Howard in 1948 was on the Kansas City Monarchs, and um, he only played one year in the, in the Negro Leagues. He was 19 years old. Um, and then after that, I guess the Yankees must have signed him. They put him in their Class A system. Of course, back then, I'm sure teams were starting, to, after Jackie had broken the color barrier, teams, were, teams knew that this was going to happen. There was going to be a lot more African-American players, and teams were starting to feel... A lot more pressure to do that because back then racism was a lot more prevalent obviously you, you know so it, uh, it had a, like nowadays there's a lot uh, there's probably a lot more latino players than there are white players or at least very very close however um however anyways moving on to elston howard he was 21 years old with the class a yankees in 1950 however he didn't i noticed he didn't play every single year in um in the minor leagues at least he doesn't have stats for him every single year. That was just something I noticed. Um, another thing is um, in 1953 and 1954. Another thing is in 1953 and 1954 for the AAA Yankees, it was a, uh, their team was the Kansas City Blues. He played with Moose Gowron, who w would be a future Yankee, obviously. He played first base. And in 1953, he also played with Vic Power as well. Um, so those are two guys who would be... I think, well, actually, one of them was a future teammate. I'm not too sure about Vic Power. Um, in 1954, he was on a, the AAA Toronto Maple Leafs, which was the last time he played in the minor leagues. He was actually 25 years old, so so he was a little bit older. And um, I think the Yankees still needed, they, they still hadn't had anybody, another an African-American player yet. Um, however, that year, 1954, at AAA, he hit 330. 283 total bases, which is doubles, home runs, triples, singles, everything. Um, basically takes all the bases and totals them all up. Um, he had played 138 games, 497 at-bats. He had 22 home runs, 109 RBIs. He struck out just 44 times in 138 games, 497 at-bats. Um, and then in 1955, they brought him up, and that was his rookie year. He uh he was 26 years old so he was he was a little bit older, um he pl he actually started playing left field, um left field and right field, um and a little bit of catcher too 
but he didn't he didn't play a whole lot at first because of Yogi Berra, of course. And um, he only played 97 games that year, but he hit 290 and he had an OPS plus um, of 118, which is again, like I said, it's an adjusted on base plus slugging percentage. Um, so basically, he was still one of the better players in the league uh, with getting on base and hitting for power. And um, and um, again, he played 103 or more games from 1957 to 1967 each season. So uh, um, just like Thurman, Elston Howard, um, you know, back those days, they and actually when Elston played, I don't even think they had helmets. I'm not sure about Thurman. I think they I think they had helmets toward the. Toward the end of the seventies, I believe they had had helmets, but I'm not I'm not positive on that. Um, anyway, El- Elston Howard was a was a great catcher. Um, it just took him some time to to get into the lineup, and sometimes he had to go out there and he had to play in left field, right field, or catcher, depending on because Casey Stengel liked the platoon players too, and also you know Yogi Berra was a three time MVP at the time. Um, the, the breakout year for Elston Howard was 1958. Uh, yeah, I would say 1958. He played 103 games. He had 376 at-bats, 118 hits, and a 314 batting average. He had a 130 OPS plus, which is very, very good. And he had struck out to 60 times and 376 at-bats. Um, so Elston Howard, he could really, really hit. Um, and he was starting to get a lot more playing time by... By 1958, and and then some of his other better years were from 1961 to 1964. Those are probably his best years, actually. He had an MVP year in 1963. Um, he, he actually he was the MVP in 1963. Um, he had 135 games played, 140 hits, two, 287 batting average, 342 on base percentage. His on base plus slugging adjusted was 141 which is very very good he was one of the probably the one of the top five players in that category i'm sure um or something like that anyway he had hit 28 home runs that year 85 rbis and struck out to 68 times um and then 61 1961 he he, he had some great numbers in 1961 but obviously he gets overshadowed um and rightfully so by Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. He hit uh, 348 with 21 home runs, 77 RBIs, and he had a 153 on-base plus slugging percentage, which is which is insane. He, and he had played in 129 games, so he was getting a lot of playing time by 1961 for sure. And, um, and he was really, really... Actually, I think he won the batting title that year too. Um, and in 1964... Uh, Elston Howard was he was really getting a lot of playing time. He, he played 150 games by this time. Um, he, he also only made two errors at catcher in 1960. Uh, I mean 1964, uh, and and he had played 146 games in 1964 as well. So only two errors in 146 games. That's that's extremely good. Um, he also hit uh, for a 313 batting average, and he was a two-time Gold Glove winner. Nine-time All-Star, and also in the postseason, he played 54 games, had 171 at-bats, five home runs, 19 RBIs, and 37 strikeouts. So, uh, so Elston Howard was a clutch, clutch hitter, and you know, even in the postseason, it didn't change. Like as far as how uh, his his preparation, like 
he was a contact hitter mostly. Anyway, I mean, he did have some. He did. He was a big guy, so he had he had some natural power. I would assume. I mean, I didn't get to see him play as much. It seems like he probably was not quite as clutch as Thurman was. He had a 2.46 batting average, so he probably had some big games and maybe some not so good games. But like in the postseason, a lot of there's gonna be there's a, probably a lot of players that have some really really good games and some games that may not be very good because the pitching is such such a at a such a premium each pitch. You know, it's just every game is that much more important than the regular season. Not that the regular season is not important, it is, but it's that much more important in the postseason because it's just if you lose four games, you're done. Or three nowadays in the division series. Um, his one of his best games was probably 1956 in the World Series of Game Seven. Um, he was two for five in that game, and the Yankees won this World Series. This was the same World Series. I'm not sure. I think it was Game Six, which was Don Larson's perfect game. But Game Seven, uh, 1956, was uh, Elston Howard was two for five with a home run and a double, and he played left field that that year. Of course, Yogi Berra was the catcher. Um, so, you know, he had to, he had to move around a little bit and I believe sometimes they put Yogi on left and, and him at catcher. And, um, so they kind of moved guys around, but that's kind of how Casey Stengel was too. Cause Casey Stengel was one of the first managers. I believe I've said this in the first podcast was one of the first managers to start use to start platooning, um, players, um, in, in the lineup and, you know, Ralph Hook, the, the manager in the sixties, actually he managed Elston Howard. He did that a lot, and Billy Martin, of course, in the 70s, uh, uh, platoon players a lot as well. Um, also, uh, another interesting stat, too, was um, the team record in the playoffs without Elston Howard was um, that the, the Yankees were 26 and 28. And the Yankee record with Elston Howard in the lineup, they were 24 and 22. So they were over 500 when Elston Howard was in the lineup than when he wasn't. So it just kind of shows sometimes. Just even if the player a player isn't playing, like, is it even if a player isn't like putting up super great numbers, if if they just have that presence where the guys like to play around them and they just have a great attitude and stuff like that. And Elston Howard was one of those guys. Tells me also that he was a great personality that the guys like to play play with him. And you know, I'm, obviously they had great teams too. So I mean that really helped as well. But like. Um, you can see that Elston Howard really made a big difference with the Yankees um, uh, whenever he played. And in 1963 as well versus the Dodgers, um, I believe obviously in the World Series, um, they won that World Series. In 1963, he had five hits in, in a game. and Actually, no, he had five hits in four games, I'm sorry. And he only had one RBI. So, But to have five hits in four games in a World Series, that's, that's, that shows, tells you right there. Um, how good of a player Elston Howard was. And Elston Howard also had a 15-game on-base streak in the postseason at one time as well, which is very, very good. So Elston Howard may not have been as clutch in the postseason as, as Thurman Munson. However, he did have some very clutch moments. Like I said, in 1960, um, again, in 1960 versus the Pirates, where he, he played five games, he had a home run, 13 at-bats, and he hit 462 that uh, in that series with four RBIs. So again, Elston Howard he was he was clutch. Maybe not as clutch as Thurman Munson, but he was still clutch. And he played a lot of games. He probably if he had played like I said about Thurman, you know, with his the tra tragic plane accident, um, 
Same, kind of the same with Elston Howard, only a little different. Elston Howard, you know, his career was kind of cut short because, you know, it took teams a while to bring in the African-American players into the game. Um, maybe if he had come in a little earlier, maybe his numbers would be a little, a little bit better. Maybe he would have been a Hall of Famer, but maybe not. I mean, it's it's hard to hard to really say that. Um, however, either way, Elston Howard's still one of the top five Yankee catchers of all time. All right, so now let's move on, though. To Bill Dickey. Bill Dickey won seven World Series titles in his time with the Yankees, and they went to eight World Series. Um, Bill Dickey was a mentor to Yogi Berra. He had a career in his career. He um, had 6,300 at bat, so he played a long time, um, and he played a lot. Uh, He had 1,969 hits, 202 home runs, and a 313 batting average in his career. A 382 on base percentage, and this is back in like the 1930s, because he played around 1930 or so to 1945, roughly. Um, so he played a long time, uh, and um, back then, you know, they they didn't really care so much about get just get just getting on base. They wanted to make sure they they wanted you to get get on base, get hits, driving runs and stuff like that. Um, so walks weren't really. A, something that they were really looking for. I mean, they, they did, but like they look for any way to get on base. Um, however, he had a very high on-base percentage. And also, on-base percentage back then wasn't really a stat that was looked at as much. But um, that just kind of shows how how great he was. And and um, also, another thing is the only only 202 home runs in his career and 6,300 at-bats. So he played a long time. He really wasn't much of a power hitter. He just – he was – a contact guy for sure. Um, he only struck out 289 times in his entire career. Like I said, in 6,300 at bats, that's 17 seasons. That's that's insane. There's some guys that probably hit the 209 strikeout in the uh, mark in their career. They can more modern days, probably like maybe three seasons, maybe. Um, and 13 seasons also for Billy Bill Dickey, he, he had played 104 or more games. Second in MVP in 1938. Um, Jimmy Fox was the guy that won that year in 1938. Jimmy Fox's numbers that year, he hit 50 home runs and 175 RBIs. So there's the reason right there why Jimmy Fox won and not Bill Dickey. Um, However, Bill Dickey in 1938, he had 27 home runs, 115 RBIs, 22 strikeouts, and 454 at-bats. Again, he was a contact guy, hit 313. Um... He had a OPS plus on um, base plus slugging adjusted of 143. So he was getting on base a lot um, any way he could. And he was, he was obviously, he had 27 home runs, which is, I believe, one of the highest in his career. Um, 29, I believe, was the highest, the most home runs he hit in his career. Uh, he had 258 total bases in 132 games as well in 1938. And uh, four seasons. He he did hit 22 or more home runs. Like I said, 29 was the most. So even though he didn't have a lot of power, he did kind of max out, I guess, uh, at 29, which for back then was probably a lot. Um, besides Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and and Jimmy Fox and guys like those. So Bill Dickey did have some power, and obviously back then, you know, Yankee Stadium was very the he was a right-handed hitter, Bill Dickey. So he had to deal with the left left center Death Valley area, and um obviously actually so did uh, uh Thurman Munson like I had mentioned and and even Elston Howard, so 
so they had they 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 had to hit the ball a long way to hit the ball out. I mean, maybe nowadays they would have hit more home runs probably, but anyways. Um, moving on, uh, he also had five seasons of 97 RBIs or more. He had never he had never struck out more than 37 times in at least 128 games played in a season. Um, so again, like uh, you know, part of that is th- that era they were more concerned with making contact and getting on base um, any way they could, uh, whether it be a walk or a hit. Usually they would try to get a, obviously get on base with a hit, and. Um, they also he also lost two years in the for, for military service, so he did he did lose a, some some of his numbers were lost because of the military service. However, you know he had to serve his country and he did a great job. He also was an eleven time All Star and a Hall of Famer as well. He was a, six straight seasons of a three had a three ten batting average or higher. He had eleven straight seasons with three oh two average or higher. And he hit 351 in 85 games in 1943. Um, so the guy could really, really hit. Um, his lowest batting average in a season in at least 82 games was 247. So, I mean, I mean, by that time, too, I believe, uh, by that time, um, he was getting a little bit older. His highest on-base plus slugging adjusted was 158 in 1936. That same year, he had a 362 average. And his OPS on base plus slugging, which wasn't really, I don't even think it existed back then. I'm pretty sure it didn't, um, was 1,045. Um, pretty much anything over 1,000 is, is, is phenomenal. Um, his postseason numbers in his career, he played 38 games. Again, he won, 30, uh, he won seven World Series titles, went to eight World Series. Um, he had 145 at-bats, 38 games in the postseason. Uh, he had five home runs. 24 RBIs, 12 strikeouts, and 255 batting average. He had a batting average of 255, 55 total bases in the postseason. Bill Dickey's best World Series game was probably in 1938 versus the Cubs. He had 15 at-bats, a 400 batting average, one home run, two RBIs, and nine total bases with one walk and one stolen base as a catcher. Um, He had a seven-game hitting streak like Austin Howard did in the playoffs, and he also had an eight-game on-base streak in the playoffs as well. So, you know, Bill Dickey was able to get on base in the playoffs of the regular season. It didn't really matter. I mean, he he still found a way to get the job done. Obviously, as a catcher too, it's going to be really hard because you're you you know your focus in the regular season and even in the postseason is not just um, pitching. It's pitching. It's defense, and it's and it's offense. In the postseason, like I said, the there's a big focus on pitching, and and um, to be able to do to concentrate on all three is very hard. That's why, like I said, with Thurman Munson being so clutch and what he did, and he probably he definitely got overshadowed by Reggie Jackson. Thurman was a a he was a, a force in the postseason as a just a hitter, and not never mind his defenses. But his defense was great too, of course. Um, but moving on to Bill Dickey, of course, uh, Bill Dickey is very well known for his Great defensive play, you know, in the regular season, uh, any time in the regular season, postseason. He was a mentor to Yogi Berra. He actually taught Yogi Berra more about catching and made Yogi Berra a better catcher. And I th- believe that's what Yogi said as well. As those were from Yogi, that those words, I believe Yogi even even admitted it. Um, in 1938, uh, in Game One of the World Series, he had one of his best games. Bill Dickey, I mean, he was four for four with one run. 
and an RBI in a stolen base. 1932, and both these World Series um, years, they were playing the Cubs. In 1932, he had another very good game, Game 4 of the World Series. He was 3-for-6 with two runs. And also, another thing about uh, Bill Dickey in his career, he, he played his most games by a catcher in 1937 and 1939. No other catcher played more games than Bill Dickey. And by that time, I believe he was getting a little bit older. But he all—he was also, by that time, he was well-known as one of the best catchers in the game of baseball. And um, he had the most double plays turned by a catcher in 1929 in a single season. And he had the, the most caught stealing. He threw out the most runners, obviously, by a catcher in 1931 as well. So Bill Dickey was basically probably, I mean, you could probably say that Bill Dickey was the first really, really great catcher in baseball history um there's uh, there's there's probably a few other guys that you could probably also put in that category but bill dickey is definitely one of the one of the greatest catchers in yankees history especially he's definitely one of like the the guy before before johnny bench was bill dickey um so bill dickey is definitely in the yankee top five um rankings for top five catchers and so now let's move on to his predecessor Yogi Berra. As I said, Bill Dickey caught, taught Yogi Berra, as Yogi Berra admitted before um, pretty much everything he knew about catching. And he really showed him how to be a better catcher. And Yogi became a very, very good catcher, people say. Um, he, uh, as for Yogi Berra, he won 13 titles in his entire career, including his coaching career. But um, as a player, he won 10 World Series titles, went to 14 pennants, um, or 14 World Series, I should say. They won 14 pennants. Um, Yogi Berra was listed at five foot seven, and he played nine, 19 seasons. In his career, he had 358 home runs, so Yogi had a lot more power. Of course, he was a left-handed hitter, and Thurman, Elston, and um, Bill Dickey were all right-handed hitters, and that could have played a part of it, but Yogi was a guy that could really, really hit. He was a bad ball hitter. Uh, a bad ball hitter, basically what I mean by that is, you know, he whatever he liked, he would just... If he saw it, he was going to hit it. It didn't matter if the ball was at his ankles. If he liked it, he was just going to hit it. If the ball was way over his head and he liked it, he was going to hit it and he'd probably end up hitting it for a home run. Because um, that's just how Yogi was. He liked to see the ball. If he saw the ball and he liked the way it looked, he was going to hit the ball as, as far as he could or wherever he could to get on base and maybe hit a home run or whatever. Um but moving on to his career numbers, again, he had 358 home runs in his career. He had 1,430 RBIs, 30 stolen bases in his career. Again, Yogi Berra played the outfield and caught as well. He had a 348 on-base percentage, and um, he had 285 uh, for a batting average. He had an on-base plus slugging adjusted of 125 in, in his entire career, um, which puts him um, well above average. And he had 2,150 hits, and he had 7,555 at-bats in his entire career. He was also, of course, he was a Hall of Famer, a living legend. At, um, well, he was one of the Yankees' living legends before, obviously. Um, he, he's a, a three-time MVP. He won an MVP in 1951, 1954, and 1955. He was in 18 All-Star games. In 1951, when he won the MVP, he had 27 home runs, 88 RBIs, and he struck out just 20 times in 141 games. And of course, they, like I said before, you know, 
That was, this isn't a day when they they didn't really care to strike out. They just wanted to put the ball in play. But of course, Yogi had some power, but he was still the same way. Um, he just he he put the bat on the ball. And another thing about Yogi, um, uh, in 1954, like I said, he also won the MVP. Some of his numbers that year, he had 22 home runs, 125 RBIs, and um, he also had just struck out 29 times in 151 games. So he played even more games, which is probably why he struck out a little bit more. Um, however, he still hit he hit for a batting average of 307 this time, um, and he had a 367 on base percentage and 136 on-base plus, or OPS plus. Um, so so he got on base a lot. He hit a lot of home runs. And back then, you know, 14 home runs, maybe not like a lot of home runs nowadays, but back then, it was kind of a lot, pretty much a lot of home runs. I mean, it wasn't like Mickey Mantle or anybody like that, but it was, it was, still, it was still a lot of home runs back then. Um, in 1955, he also won the MVP as well, back-to-back. He played 147 games. Um, he struck out just 20 times that season. He had a 272 batting average, an OPS plus of 120, and he had 27 home runs and 108 RBIs. And in 1956, Yogi Berra set the Yankee catching home run record, um, and that record was at 30. And it was later tied in 2003 by Jorge Posada, and it was broken by Gary Sanchez twice in 2017 and 2019. Um, and in 1950, just 12, he had struck out just 12 times in 150 games. That's 597 at bats, just 12 times. That's that's insane, especially when you put, like I said before, put into perspective how much guys today strike out. Um, but of course, it was a different game too. But it's just that's just an insane number. Um, he finished second and third in MVP voting three times, so he could add more than three MVPs, I guess. 1953 and 1956 were the years he finished in second, and those years he lost out to Al Rosen in 53, and of course Mickey Mantle in 1956 when Mickey Mantle won the Triple Crown in 56. He was the third in, in the MVP race in 1950. That year the winner was Phil Rizzuto. Um, Yogi Berra led the league in throwing out base runners in 1950, and uh, he had thrown out 34 runners. In 1951, he uh, threw out 47 runners, and in 1952, he threw out 36 runners. And those are all, uh, he led the league all three of those years um, in, in throwing out base runners. He also had eight straight seasons where he led the league in games played by a catcher, which again, I, I like that stat because it shows just how durable he was in and you know he he played a lot of games, and obviously in those days you know players they played through injuries all the time. That's probably a big reason why. And you know they didn't really they didn't get paid like the players of today, and maybe that's also part of it. However, it just shows how how much of a gamer Yogi was. And it, like back in those days, they didn't even have helmets for catchers either, and they didn't like they could run they could still run over the the catcher if they wanted to too, which is something they can't do today. So I mean. Uh, it just shows the durability of the catchers and everything that the catcher has to take. But yet he still went on, went out there, he led the league in games played as a catcher. That's 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 insane. And he was one of the best players in 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 the game, best players in baseball history. Some of Yogi's career numbers: Yogi was a very very clutch player. Yogi played in seventy five postseason games. He had two hundred fifty nine at bats, seventy one hits. 
had a 274 batting average, 117 total bases, and he had a, a win probability added. Again, that's basically it's basically what it what it what you think it probably means when for the probability of winning uh, whenever he's in the lineup is increased. It's uh, almost so it's basically almost increased by one more by one win uh, every time he's played played in the game. Um, he had 12 home runs in the postseason. Uh, he had 39. Run, runs batted in the postseason in a 3.59 on base percentage. He also had two home runs in the 1956 World Series Game Seven as well. Um, obviously, that was the the year after when. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, that was the game after uh, Don Larson's perfect game, which was, I believe that was in 19 uh, 1956 as well in Game Six. Um, and another. Another interesting stat, too, was he only struck out 17 times in 259 at-bats in the postseason. That's insane. Um, and especially when you consider, like, how how uh, how much pitching is at a premium. However, like I said before, it's, 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 it was a little bit different in those days. They put the bat on the ball, especially Yogi being a bad ball hitter. He didn't like to see the. He just if he saw saw it and liked it, he didn't think too much about it. He just went and went with it and get got on base, um, however he could, or if he would at least give it his best shot. And a lot of times, I'm sure he did. Um, the longest hitting streak that Yogi had in the postseason is 11, and that seems to be pretty high from what I've seen anyway. Um, his on his longest on base streak was 17. So Yogi Berra, um, it just it, it kind of shows. I kind of like to see the hitting streaks because just because it kind of shows that Yogi Berra was as clutch as anyone, and he was as good as in the regular season as he was in the postseason, and um, and that's I guess you can kind of obviously because he's a Hall of Famer, so you, that's there's a reason why he is why he is a Hall of Famer. Um, anyways, Yogi Berra was one of the probably the most complete catcher in Yankees history because he was a great offensive catcher and a great defensive catcher. Um, kind of like Thurman Munson and Bill Dickey as well, and even Elston Howard. I mean, they, they all really were great all-around catchers. Um, however, Yogi Berra really became an elite defensive catcher, and that was a big reason Big reason because of that was because of Bill Dickey. And um, and obviously, Bill Dickey became his coach. And actually, Elston Howard ended up, oddly enough, becoming Thurman Munson's coach in the 70s. So it's kind of interesting. Um, but it, that's, anyways, let's move on to the next catcher. Jorge Posada. All right, so he was number 20 for the Yankees. Jorge Posada played 17 seasons. Um, he won 44 World Series titles, uh, and he went to six World Series with the Yankees. He played 17 seasons with the New York Yankees. He had 6,092 at-bats and hit 270 for a 273 average, which, again, you know, this was a little bit a lot, a lot um, many years later. And this was uh, Jorge was a lot more of a he was much more of a power hitter than Yogi. However, he did get on base. He had a 3.74 on base percentage, 1,664 hits, and he had 2,888 total bases, which is quite a bit. Um, and he had 275 home runs in his career, um, and uh, 1,065 RBI. So he played a couple less seasons than Yogi. Um, uh, he still still didn't have as many home runs. But um, but but uh, Posada was still I, I put him in the in this because I uh, Posada is still one of the better catchers that the Yankees have ever had. I mean, it's kind of hard to compare him to guys like Yogi Berra, Thurman Munson. Those guys are like the elite 
the 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 best players in the best catchers in Yankees history. I think Jorge kind of had the tenacity of a Thurman Munson. I mean, he was very intense when he played, but he was also kind of kept his composure outside. Like you never you never really saw him getting in trouble in the media or anything like that. So I mean, uh, Posado was definitely a true Yankee in that sense, I guess you would say. But he. Uh, Posada was one of the best catchers in Yankees history. Anyways, moving on, uh, he, Posada also only struck out 110 times in nine seasons and at least 111 games played. Um, also, the 110 strikeouts uh, was not in the 111 games played. Um, he had a, he was a five-time All-Star and a five-time Silver Slugger. Like I said, Jorge was a power hitter. Um, you know, obviously the the park was a little bit different between when he played and Yogi played and Elston played and even Thurman, too, until 74, anyway. And uh, Posada was third in MVP in 2003, which was Posada's best year, of course. Uh, many of you probably remember. He hit 281. He had an on-base percentage of 405. He had an on-base plus slugging adjusted of 144, which basically means he was well above average in that category with getting on-base and slugging. Um, he had a 249 total bases that year. 30 home runs, so because he, he had tied Yogi Berra's Yankees record as a catcher, I believe. Um, he had 101 RBIs that year, um, and he had 142 games played. Um, also, he had eight seasons of 20 or more home runs. Again, like I said, he was a power hitter. He um, didn't really hit for average that much. I mean, he he always had a pretty decent average when he was when he was younger, but he wasn't he wasn't he was he was a power hitter. And he could hit from the right and the left side of the plate too, which was very handy for the Yankees, because they had they, it helped Joe Torre setting the lineup and even Joe Girardi toward the end of Posada's career, setting the lineup around the switch hitters, especially in 2009 when they had Teixeira and Posada, um, splitting up a lot of the guys, a lot of the lefties they had and the righties, of course. Um, also, uh, he had five seasons in a row. Um, he, he had uh, five seasons in a row of 20 or more home runs including um, there, he also played t uh, three years where he had 19 home runs. That was in 2005, 18 home runs in 2010, and 17 home runs in 1998. Seven seasons in a row with no less than 17 home runs. So uh, Posada was, was a guy who he really, he really had a lot of home runs and just um, he, he was, he was clutch and another thing about Posada, too, he played 125 games in the postseason. Obviously, he played a lot of postseason games in his in his tenure. Um, he hit for a 248 average, but, you know, like I said, he was more of a, he was more really of an, even an on-base guy, too, because Jorge Posada had a really good eye, and he wouldn't swing at a lot of junk. And also, part of that could have been because he wanted to make sure he could get a good pitch to hit, where he could hit that ball over the fence, especially when it was a right-handed pitcher and he was, at the left-hand side of the plate because he was a power hitter, like I said before. And he only struck out 109 times. So being a power hitter, you'd think he strike out, would probably strike out more than 109 times. And considering he had played in 125 games, he had a lot of at-bats in the postseason. So he, he really didn't strike out quite as much as you might think he did. I mean, obviously, thinking about when the Yankees played those games, it did seem like Posada struck out an awful lot. But compared to today's player, he probably didn't strike out quite as much. Um, however, that's those are just different errors and how the how and sometimes errors change just depending on information and stuff like that and the way the game 
it's just naturally people players tend to adapt sometimes just players are just more prone to strike out too um moving on uh one of the best years or the best world series anyway that posada played was probably 1998 he was three for nine that uh in that world series and that was against the padres he had one home run and five total bases and of course they went on to sweep the padres um the World Series MVP was, of course, Scott Brocious, who just had a phenomenal, a phenomenal World Series, a phenomenal year, the best year of Scott Brocious's career. Um, the best series I would say in Posada's career was probably in 2001, definitely in 2001, um, in the American League Division Series against the Oakland A's, the one most famous for, uh, I think it was Game Three in Oakland. Yeah, it was obviously in Oakland. Um, Derek Jeter had the flip play. You know, when he flipped it, uh, flipped it in on the uh, errant throw from Shane Spencer and they nabbed, uh, Jorge Posada nabbed uh, Terrence Long at the plate. Um, and also, but anyways, that that series, Posada had a very good series. He played f all five games. He had a home run, a, even he had a stolen base and Posada was not a fast guy at all. He was, he was actually pretty slow. Um, he only struck out twice and he had a 444 batting average. In, um, in all five games, he had a 500 on base percentage, so he was pretty much always on base. Um, and he had 12 total bases that, in that series as well. So Posada was, um, and if Posada was hot, he was, he if he if his if his bat was hot, he he was he was really, he was tough to get out. Posada could really really hit. I mean, and it took him a while too because he was a second baseman when he was drafted by the Yankees. They and they turned him into a catcher, so it took him a while to get going as a catcher but once she once once she was ready the Yankees basically because they had Girardi in 96 Girardi and Jim Leyritz so I mean they uh once once he was ready um he really took off from there from from basically from 97 90 98 was really his breakout year and uh and so Posada definitely belongs in this group of the top five so let's move on to another guy that I would also like to mention, even though I don't know if I would include Johnny Blanchard in the in this ranking of the top five catchers in Yankee history, but he's he's definitely deserving of mention as Johnny Blanchard, who Johnny Blanchard was a catcher and outfielder, and he was probably the greatest pitch hitter in Yankee history, or maybe one of the greatest pitchers in Yankees history at least. Um, he, he helped the Yankees to win two World Series titles. They went to five World Series in his in his time. Um, uh, he also played from 1959 to 1965 with the Yankees. He had one game in 1955. Um, he, he had well, actually he had just played one game in 1955. Um, he had eight seasons in New York. Um, in 1961 was his clearly his best season. He had hit 305 that year. He had three a 382 on base percentage and again. Uh, 1961 was a time where they didn't really think much about on-base percentage and they uh, that much. I mean, they they did, but they, they just wanted to get on base any way they could. Um, but uh, that's a very, very good on-base percentage, um, obviously. Uh, he had 149 total bases that year, 21 home runs, 54 RBIs, 93 games, and uh, 243 at-bats. So he made the best of... Considering he only played 93 games and he hit 21 home runs, I mean that's a lot of home runs for that small amount of games. I mean I guess it's not that small amount of games, but it's not like a full season. And you know, Blanchard, Blanchard played on that team in 1961. They were stacked. They had 
Roger Maris, Mickey Mano, uh, Elston Howard, Moose Cowan, I believe, was on that team. Um, so th there was a there was a lot of um, there was a lot of firepower on that offense, and and he was he was no different. He he really helped that Yankee team. Also, you know, a part of it was probably because he was a left-handed hitter as well. Um, he had a career OPS plus of 108, which is above the league average. His career postseason numbers. In 15 games, 29 at-bats, he hit 345 with a 387 on-base percentage. His win probability added was was uh, was um, over zero, so he, he helped the team. Whenever he played, he helped the Yankees most of the time, and um, basically that's what that basically means. In 1961, he hit two home runs in the postseason. He had, he had three three of his five RBIs in the 19, in 1961 as well. Uh Obviously, his best postseason game was in 1961, Game 3 in the World Series at Crosley Field. He was a pitch hitter for pitcher Bud Daly in in the 8th inning, uh, and he had a game-tying home run, and they won it in the ninth. And and um, I believe that was on... Oh, yeah, that was on a Roger Maris home run. Uh, he was also 3-for-4 in Game 5. He had one home run in that game, two RBIs, two walks, and a double. And uh, he also had a two-out home run in Game 5 as well. I believe his game-tying home run in Game 3 of the 61 World Series against the Reds was also a game-tying. Yeah, that was a game-tying. No, no, that was a two-out home run as well. Uh, in 1960, Game 6, he was 3-for-4 with an RBI and two doubles. And also one of those RBIs was a two-out RBI. And again, I just figured I'd... I mentioned the two old RBI thing because it just kind of shows that Johnny Blanchard was as clutch as anybody. Um, and being a bench player, it's it's kind of it's got to be hard to just come off the bench cold, just not really. You kind of got to get get up, be ready, ready to go, and it's not as easy as it might seem. It's if anything, it's probably a lot harder to get ready. Um, so Johnny Blanchard, I think, definitely deserves to be mentioned, um, and probably, I mean. I really do think that he probably is one of the greatest pitch hitters of all time, or in, at least in Yankee history. Um, so, anyways, moving on, let's do. Let's move on to the rankings. The top five catchers in Yankees history are Yogi Berra, Bill Dickey, Thurman Munson, Elston Howard, and Jorge Posada. Um, I basically decided to put Yogi Berra at the top because Yogi was just like he was. He was the best Yankee, the best Yankee hitting catcher. And defensive catcher, he he was basically uh, he was basically the best at both, like doing everything. And um, you know, obviously when he first started, it took him a while to become the defensive catcher that he became. But because of Bill Dickey, he really he um, he I think to me he's the number one catcher in Yankee history. Bill Dickey is number two. Um, I didn't realize how good Bill Dickey was until I started looking more at his numbers and. And seeing how great he, good he was, and comparing him to Thurman's numbers and Yogi, um, so I definitely have to put Bill Dickey in number two. I think that's a really good spot. You could probably make a case that Bill Dickey was even better than Yogi, just because he, um, he was Yogi's mentor. However, I think if you just look at both the numbers, you know, Yogi was a bad ball hitter. He was very natural, a natural hitter. Like he, he, he was one of the best hitters of all time. I mean, in major in baseball history. So I mean, I think. I think Yogi's definitely be the best, in my opinion, anyway. Thurman Munson, I have at number three. However, I think Thurman even could you could make a case for him to be 
maybe not the best catcher in Yankee history, but at least number two anyway. Thurman Munson um, was a guy that he he basically was he, he was clutch. He had for contact, he had for power, and Thurman also was pretty fast, or at least I wouldn't say fast, but he was just he was a good base runner and he hustled all the way. Like Thurman, Thurman was a gamer. He was gritty. There's a reason why Yankee fans loved him, um, and he actually reminds me a lot of Don Mattingly because of what I just said about him being a gritty player who just loved to play the game of baseball and you could just see it like he didn't really care about all the accolades or any of that stuff he just wanted to play the game and help the Yankees win and some other honorable mentions for Yankee catchers that I didn't put in the top five of Yogi Berra, Bill Dickey, Thurman Munson, Elston Howard and Jorge Posada would be Mike Stanley, Joe Girardi and Jim Lairis. I just wanted to mention those guys because those guys were also very good um, in their tenures as Yankees. Mike Stanley put up some very good uh, seasons with the Yankees. He only played, I think, three or four seasons with the Yanks. Uh, He played once in the playoffs with the Yankees in 1995. Um, I believe he he was pretty good, and you know he had Mike Stanley was a power hitter. He wasn't really much of a contact guy, but he did you know he had he had pretty pretty good for a pretty good average. Uh, Joe Girardi was a he came he had he had a big clutch triple in 1996 in the World Series that are always remembered for and obviously um, like I said by the first episode of this podcast Joe Girardi was one of the greatest uh, Yankee managers of all time another one of the greatest Yankee pitch hitters of all time Jim Leyritz um, Jim Leyritz is another clutch guy he always came through in the clutch like in 1996 I think it was Game Five in Atlanta when he tied the game and then it was uh, another one in Seattle, I believe, it was Game Two in New York, when he hit a home run. I think it was in 15 innings, off of I'm not sure. It might have been Tim Belcher, I believe, but I'm not positive. Um, and uh, some of his numbers: Jim Leyritz hit 309 in 1993 with an OPS adjusted of 154. So Jim Leyritz could really, really hit. Um, obviously, 1994, the strike year, um, he had 17 home runs. And I just wanted to kind of throw those numbers out there because Jim Leyritz is definitely more of an offensive-minded catcher. And, I mean, he was a good catcher. He wasn't the best defensive catcher. Joe Girardi was a very, very good defensive catcher. He was a catcher that the Yankee pitchers, most veteran pitchers anyway, would always want to throw to because he was such a great catcher, defense, and offense. Um, his offense probably wasn't as good as like Jim Leyritz, but his defense was very, very, very good. So that's it for this week's episode of the top five Yankee catchers in Yankees history. Again, it's Yogi Berra, Bill Dickey, Thurman Munson, Elston Howard, and Jorge Posada for me. So what's your top five? And as always, go Yankees! <laughs>